Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, uh, we've got another great guest. We've got this guest. You can see him in Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Supernatural, The Descendants, and coming very, very soon on our screens everywhere is Corrective Measures with Michael Rooker and Bruce Willis. It's, of course, the wonderful Dan Payne. Dan, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Brian. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And before we start talking about your awesome career i always ask my guests and i can't wait till it it is a time when i don't have to but as a check-in you know these last two years have been challenging to say the least i mean how have you kept positive and how have you kept moving forward step by step well we're diving in deep straight away hey right (laughs) (laughs) um well i mean i guess i'll start off with a bang i uh, i suffer from depression and it's been a tough couple of years, uh, admittedly. And I think, you know, I have an amazing support system around me. So I am trying to stay uh, as positive and optimistic and away from any of the negativity that seems to be brought up by this whole uh, goings on, whether it be the pandemic, whatever it is, I try and just, I know that it's there. I know it exists. I just don't, I try not to engage in the what always seems to devolve into a negative you're wrong i'm right uh you know you're you know it just i just try to stay in the positive of looking for unity and love and in everything i mean that's mm-hmm. i feel like that's the best way through it for me uh, everybody mm-hmm. has their own path but uh, with a guy who's already kind of coming from behind a bit of a darkness mm-hmm. i want to keep looking for the light and sometimes mm-hmm. uh getting too deep into those topics to me is a bit of the darkness I'd rather not be a part of. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's quite refreshing to hear you talk about that because, you know, this stigma with men not being able to talk. And I know that my, my dad was a, 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 you know, a proper man, ex army, um, you know, hid his fears and, and his worries. And, you know, I, I I think it's very brave, and I think that more people need to talk about their mental health, and they need to talk about, uh, you know, what's worrying. I mean, throughout the pandemic, you know, I had to go and see a doctor because of depression, because of the worry this pandemic caused for me as a father on the pressures of looking after my kids and my family. I felt out of control. I felt that I couldn't, you know, protect them as I should do. And, you know, through support and talking to pe- pe- people, I'm glad to say that things are, are getting better, and um, which is great. And this is the thing, is that no one should be afraid to talk to people, not to hide it. So it's quite refreshing that, you know, you you can talk, talk, talk about that. And I think more men should because, you know, we think it's not macho. Well, I, I appreciate that very much, Brian, but it is not an easy and, and can be a pretty scary step I know was for me. I mean, I spent 40 years hiding Mm. it and hiding from it and doing everything I could to keep it quiet. And uh, it gets to the point 
and it varies for everyone where um, I think you can definitely, if you find that strength or that opportunity or that person or whatever it is to talk about it, it, it the other side of it is pretty amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm glad I found that. Mm -hmm. I that no, that's found awesome news. Amazing amount of support on the other side. So I, I want to, I'm, I'm still scared sometimes to just bring it up because I'm, I, there is a stigma that I still feel. Mm. You're not allowed to be depressed, man. Like, especially like your dad, you know, a man's man, an army, mm. the whole bit. Like, no, yeah, you, you, you can't be depressed. You're, you're the tough. But life, but life is full of pressures. It's full of ups and downs, and and it could be challenging the best best of times. But I I, I did think the other day. Um, I I had my four year old. And I did think think to myself, you know, I challenge anyone to spend ten minutes with with my four year old and not leave happy, because literally our kids, I think, put unconditional smiles on our fa fa faces, and we're very very blessed because you've got two yourself, which is uh, aw awesome to hear. Um, but let's talk about how your career so uh, started out, because when I do my research on my guests, it's really cool that you you were a pro athlete in volleyball and when people think volleyball i automatically think top gun <laughs> you know <laughs> on on the beach here here in the mu mu music but you know what made you go into volleyball in holland i think it was holland that you went to wasn't it yeah i well i my parents are incredibly supportive of kind of whatever we wanted to do i, I have a brother and a sister i'm the oldest and uh they were the kind of parents who were like you know, I'd, I'd show interest in something like, oh, do you want to do you want to pursue that? Yeah. OK, cool. Let's help you out. Uh, no, I don't really want to. OK, no worry. Don't worry. Let's you know, we'll find your thing. So sports, my, my whole family is fairly athletic. And um, yeah, they just supported me to enjoy and, and explore sports and volleyball. Just struck a chord with me. I, I am I'm not a small guy. I'm, I'm six, four. And in all my, I guess, physical attributes lended to that sport quite well. And it. it you know, when you like something and you work at it, as with anything, you, you can find a way to get better. And I, I really liked it. So I really worked hard at it. I, I don't think I was the most innately gifted athlete. Um, being left handed back in the day and all those little things you can't coach were cool. But uh, I loved it. So I worked hard and, and doors opened up. It's one of those opportunity things where, you know, oh, there's a provincial team you should try out for. Okay, cool. Not knowing, you know, where it would lead. Oh, I made that team. Okay, cool. Hey, you should try it for the university team. I'd love that. And on it goes. <laughs> and then you, know, you, you wake up, you're in Europe going, holy crap, I get paid to play a sport I love. That's pretty awesome. And what was it like living in Holland? Because it's got to be quite quite different to where you live before or where, where, where you're from. A lot of looking to the people who spoke English going, what, what did they say? Um, <laughs> but especially with the coaches who didn't there's one the assistant coach spoke some english and the head coach didn't speak any so mm -hmm. that was confusing but um i loved it it was I, i'm a bit of a nomad at heart and i love traveling and i was really i really enjoyed being able to stay there long enough to in, indulge in the culture and ingest some of the differences and, and see how they reflect for me to have a better perspective of just how things are outside of my comfort zone um so i loved it i absolutely loved it i helped a girlfriend at the time build an apartment when you buy an apartment there it's just the, it's the skeleton it's the just the bones of a place wow and yeah and you can basically build all of that so i i put in some light bulbs without electrocuting myself and laid some <laughs> tile without gluing myself to the floor it was good 
um, I had a lot of fun, a lot of different experiences. And I was young. It was like a great time to just try, maybe fall on my face, but just try. Mm. I mean, what made you then go from being a pro athlete to thinking, do you know what? I'm going to be an actor. There was a, I, 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 I try and joke and say that I was just straight up an attention whore and it was the next phase, but um, there was something about the euphoric state that you feel when you're performing something to demand, like playing volleyball, I'm in a game and I'm doing this skill that I've worked really hard to do to the best of my ability. And if you get into that zone where the there's like a euphoric state of consciousness of all the things that are going around in that sport, and then to have an audience respond to that good or bad yeah the pressure strangely i loved that kind of pressure the performance pressure and the and the art of performance whether it be volleyball or volleyball or in front of a stage and i think when my body retired me uh from volleyball the my brother's an extreme extrovert he's hilarious and he was living in australia and he's like well hey i'm starting a photographic company out here come join me and we'll figure something out out here and i was like okay let's do that and it turned into creating shows and performing and i was like oh here we are here's the next um expression of performance and seeking that euphoric state of connection that i so thrive and crave and then you mentioned uh, before we start the interview that you you spent some time in london as well i mean how was that? I mean, was, was was that good fun? I mean, was that just for the act for the acting part? It did become uh, so from Australia to England, it was very much a strategic move in a lot of ways. I, you know, knowing that I wanted to be an actor and I've always wanted to perform and, and being an actor, I think when we were younger, my brother and I had not joked about it, but just definitely entertained the idea that when it started to become more of a reality, I wanted to I take an athlete's approach, like a professional approach to getting to my goals. And that meant learning a lot in a hurry without, I mean, when you stumble and fall from volleyball, you start learning in high school and nobody on provincial teams sees you fall on your face in high school. And when you're high school uh, or provincial teams, they don't really necessarily see your learning curve at the university level unless they scout you. And if they do, you hope they get a good moment. Well, that same thing sort of applied to me. So if I went to the UK and I fell on my face learning this craft, you know, doing the weekend warrior classes at RADA and taking seminars and things that I could find in, in the back of the back pages of, of, you know, the local paper or whatever, I just wanted to figure it out and find a way. And it's like going to the gym. I just tried to find a way every day to get closer to that goal. And boy, did I fall on my face. I didn't know my butt from my elbow. Um, but I was passionate about learning and I did have a a persistence born of, I think, the, the athletic mindset that I'll get there. So, yeah, I just I, ran into walls and tripped everywhere and figured it out. <laughs> but it's good to fail. They they often say that, you know, failing isn't a bad thing. It's just discovering a way of not doing some, some, something for next time. Um, I, I mean, looking back to when you were starting out, I mean, what was the biggest lesson? That that you learn looking back now from from where you are now with over I think a hundred hundred credits to your name and it's just a credible work you know um, um, amount of credits you have I mean looking back I mean what's what's been the biggest lesson I think 
I mean, there's so many, that's a really cool question, but there's so many lessons, Brian, that it's hard to pick one. So I can only really give you the one that jumps to mind at the moment. And that was the team idea. I don't think I fully understood how uh, starting out that being an actor was very much about being a part of a team, whether that's going to a group of people who are working together in a class to learn the craft. That's a team. That's a, you're not individually going there to suck the energy or the knowledge away from people. You're going to share and learn from experience and tripping and falling and face planning together. And that is some of the best learning. And I think early on, I, I wish I could have gone back and told myself to, Hey, and fully welcome the help from around you. Don't think this is a one man journey just because act you're the only person saying your lines. That doesn't mean that everything around you doesn't support and equally be a part of that process. Mm. I mean, I mean did, early, early lesson. I mean, did you have a clear plan um, of what you wanted to do? You know, obviously, when you left Australia, did you have a clear plan on what you wanted to achieve in the industry? Uh, it's it's definitely refocused over the course of the years, but early on, I wanted to get to the point where I could successfully support myself mm. as an actor. Because, again, I'll, I'll probably say this a few times, that euphoric state of connection that I crave from being on sets and being in scenes and working on movies and everything to do with this industry, to be able to support myself doing that so that I can forever pursue that, whether it be through class teaching, now teaching and, and taking classes and studying, learning and reading up um, that time freed up because of being able to earn a living doing that. I felt was going to perpetuate itself. So early on, it was about getting to that goal. But incrementally, I knew that it's not like I knew like you couldn't go to the gym and suddenly how I'm going to be able to lift 300 pounds on the bench, right? If I've never benched before. So I knew there was a process there. But Mm. I just sure as hell didn't know where it was and it's individual that's the thing it's unique and individual everybody's path whatever you need to be success in acting is pretty unique I mean can you remember your first audition that, that you had was it a good audition or was it absolutely terrible it was tragic <laughs> it was tragic I was <laughs> I mean I had a great attitude and zero idea where I was or what I was doing and it was a commercial Sort of, I guess, thank goodness. But uh, they, you know, they walk in, they're like, would you mind standing on the mark? And it was in, it, it was in England, right? I was the first audition was in the UK. And standing on the mark, I didn't even know what a mark was. And I literally was on the cusp of going, I'm, I'm sorry, who's Mark? Like, it's just <laughs> zero idea. Um, so I'm standing there, like smiling, like, hey, we're just happy to be here. And they're like, yeah, would you, the X, would you just please stand on the X? And then we, we slating. I'm like, what the hell is slating? <laughs> oh, I had a, yeah, the learning curve was pretty steep. Um, mm. But I, I just knew that I wanted to do that mm. for the rest of my life, whether it be through commercials to film and television and theater or through theater to film and television and whatever. I, it didn't matter. I was going to find a way. Mm -hmm. Do you do do you enjoy auditions now compared to back then? I do. I, I absolutely do. It's an opportunity. And when I teach, I kind of try and explain that if you don't see an audition as a gift, then there's there's a problem. 
um, the audition is an opportunity for you to invest all that you've learned and all your process into a, a blank slate of a, like there's a template, but the blank slate is that you haven't inject, injected you into it yet. And to create your own specific unique audition based on the, the information and the gold you can mine from that audition. That's pretty exciting. Like that's a, a cool, exciting event for me. Whereas before without a process and without a foundation of awareness on how to break down scenes and to mine for that gold, it was just like, Oh shit. I hope I get this right. <laughs> and again, learning that there is no right or wrong. Is pretty cool. I've, I've noticed as well on your IMDb, you do a lot of stunt work and obviously the act, the acting, which do you prefer? And also I've seen on your IMDb that um, you've got Predator on there as well. Um, yeah. Please say you was a Predator. I was, but... <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but I, yeah, we'll get to that. It's uh, it's pretty, pretty un unexciting, but... Um, I much prefer acting. I'm a thousand percent um, more actor mindset. But because of my physicality, my my athletic background, I was afforded the opportunity through the kindness of stunt coordinators and other stunties, the op the opportunity to you know to do stunts and perform in the stunt world. And I do have an affinity for it because I think the you know athletic career gave me a, an ability to be in touch with my body enough to to perform but those opportunities were literally born of the kindness and generosity of stunt coordinators taking a chance on me mm. and going all right yeah we need a six foot four guy and you see you seem like a nice enough dude let's hope that you don't suck and um I, I you know I have such a fear of failure that I would make sure that I didn't suck but uh it's hard work. And those stunt guys and stunt coordinators are unbelievably gifted uh, athletes and performers that do things that actors wouldn't, couldn't, or shouldn't do. Mm. And to be able to, you know, just play in that world to the extent that I did was super exhilarating, but eye opening in that this was, I was visiting uh, more than like, I, I like to say I'm an actor who has had the good fortune to do stunts um because i never want to take away from the incredible work that stunt performers do mm, mm. i mean we had um daniel kudmore who you know um yeah. on Good on thing. the show a while back and he was talking about working on uh alien versus predator and i've had ian white on the show and brian a prince and quite quite a few it's literally all the tall people in show biz business I've had <laughs> on the show. So I'm looking for the short ones next. Um, but obviously fans will recognize you uh, straight off the bat from The Flash, which I've got to say is one of the best shows on TV and it's probably one of the most successful CW shows um, uh, alongside of Supernatural. Um, you know, what was that like playing King Shark? Because... It's just an awesome character. It really, really is. And um, I wanted to know if, you know, if you'd be asked, would you come back to play the role? Because the show isn't showing any signs of stopping. Well, yeah, I let me just answer that one bit right away. In a heartbeat. I'd be back in a heartbeat. Um, in fact, I'm hoping <laughs> they somehow find a way. 
uh, and it was an honor to play King Shark. I, I, I love the show as well. My kids, uh, my older boy definitely enjoys the show. Uh, he's 13. And Grant, I, I just, the, the whole, like the cast and crew, they're, they've worked together for a lot of years. There's a, it's a well-oiled machine. And I, I use this, these terms a lot, but when they're relevant, they're relevant. And they're kind of like a family in that they all look out for each other. There's, a, there's They poke and jest and they have fun and they get through these long days because of that environment. And when you sometimes step into a show, you are, you can feel like the outsider. You can feel a little bit, not on purpose sometimes, but you feel a bit ostracized or a bit alienated from that mm -hmm. family. Grant is a pure and true number one. He, I mean, I did have the good fortune to, I walked around in the Gorilla Garage um, stunt gear on stilts awesome. on that show. And because of my, history as an actor, they started to allow me and, and uh, encourage me to do the lines so that they weren't just acting to a big uh, puffy outfit in on stilts. And I don't know if that created the relationship that led to Shay Lambden and King Shark, but it did lend to the fact that when I showed up, there was a very welcome environment for me and I felt extremely comfortable. And I think because of that comfort, I could just enjoy the process and 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 be thankful to be Shay Lambden on a really cool show with an awesome group of people mm. and Tom Kavanaugh, who I got to work with on corrective measures mm. is hilarious and almost too supportive like he is so generous you're like wait a minute you got to look after you too don't you because he is so kind he is so and he doesn't forget a dang thing like when he showed up on corrective measures he's like hey Dan and he's like remember when we were talking about this and I was like Oh my gosh, you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a, so he's so a you've got to be careful around Tom on what you say because uh, <laughs> he, he won't he won't forget. I mean, the store story arc uh, in in the Flash for your character is such a, a a lovely story, and I would absolutely love to see more and and see him come back because obviously he's transformed back into King Shark to 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 obviously you know save 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 the day and now he's with argus um in a nice tank apparently but um but no it would be nice to see that character come 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 to life life again and hopefully you will get that phone call um yeah but see him you know i'd like to see that love story have a chance and yeah i mean yeah. libby is well, she's i had the great fortune of oh i'm not allowed, i'm not sure i'm allowed to say what i did with Libby but anyway I got to work with Libby again she's, she's exquisite and I, I think it'd be fun to have that you know that love story have a chance where they figure out a way to give him human form again and mm. maybe he helps the team or come I don't know it'd be really cool there's so many options and, and it's you know the multiverse factor of it all I'd be I'd be pretty excited mm. I Definitely. think she's in um is she in Virgin River I think think she is now is, is isn't she is it Libby either confirm nor deny <laughs> <laughs> so um, i mean obviously these characters you're on you're on screen acting and then there's a lot of C C cgi what's it like to see the finished article on screen because that must be so surreal because you're on you know the the set with dots or or you know with puffy costumes as you described <laughs> what is it like seeing the finished article Let's not forget the unitard. That's always a wonderful <laughs> unitard. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very revealing. Um, so 
I've had the good fortune as well to be a lot of different aliens and creatures with the prosthetic makeup fully applied to my face. And, and to see that transformation firsthand and in a tangible way is mind blowing. So I don't get to see this CGI conversion until I get to see the episode. And having seen, having already had the chance to see King Shark in his full glory, I just was really cool uh, or excited to see how cool it would be to transform from me into King Shark. And that scene was really neat to see that full transformation and the CGI come to life because um, it was really well done. And I think that's one of the best fights on TV that there's been. Mm. Mm, definitely definitely and and the effects i've got to say i mean if you look like 20 years ago it shows the effects were good good for their age <clears throat> but i've got to say the effects on the flash are just abs absolutely ama amazing uh they That's do right, such yeah. a stellar job and this is the thing i like to shout out all the people that that work behind the scenes the stunt crew the the you know special effects the people that are behind the camera that makes you know the magic happen because it is ov ov obviously you know the actors that get the center stage but you know the hard work i mean i love watching films and watching the end credits and just seeing how many names are on there that we don't really see that's awesome to hear because mm. you know as i've been doing this for a while one of the most and maybe this is something i could you know i could tell to the younger me uh, starting out there's not one person on that set that doesn't have equal value there's no mm. i and i truly believe this because if you don't then you're missing the point we're all there for to do our job and if one person isn't able to do their job that is a part of the machine that makes that end product happen so mm. I, I really enjoy being a part of that team and i guess it goes back to the the sports mentality but that's a team and every team member has a job and that job is equally important. And I'm not trying to negate anybody if they, you know, I just don't think you should, I guess I'm, I am negating diva-ness. Like there should never be a, anyone thinking they're better than anyone part of it. Um, people that, yeah. you know, the might get loud and start barking at people, but it's not out of a condescending, I'm better than you. It's a, this machine needs to do its job sooner. We're running out of time. And it's just a part of it, keeping the machine oiled, but it, it's not a, the hierarchy shouldn't shift to like, you're lesser, I'm yelling at you because of that, go do your job, peon. That's, so it, I love being able to be a, to say hi to everybody, the guy that I see when I'm parking my car in the crew park in the morning. Mm. Thank you brother, for making sure that I don't have a distraction of whether my car is getting jacked or not, mm. so that I can be fully present for my job. Thank you person changing the garbage so I don't you know, throw crap on the floor and, and then feel guilty about it. Like it's just every single piece of that thing is is working towards that end product. And so then when you watch it, you can be proud mm. of the, the end product, not about your performance or anything else. It's just kind of like, damn, we did a good job. Mm. And it makes makes me feel that the set of Flash is very much like that, that everyone Probably. just seems so nice and so down to earth. I think it'll be an awesome project to work on. Um, <clears throat> I've got to say as well that your kids must absolutely love your work because when you said he's 13, literally, does he go to school and say, my daddy is King Shark or my daddy is <laughs> Obsidian uh, or, you know, he must be so proud. The, <laughs> it's, a fun, it's a strange dynamic with my kids. I know they're proud of me and I know they think it's kind of cool. But they, 
and I think because they grew up with it that they don't see it like other kids might see it. And it strangely, not strangely, I think rightfully so. The biggest one that the kids see him, I have a 10 year old boy as well, is when Descendants was at its peak and I dropped my kids off at school. You know, there's multiple times which were so like, it's just such a fun little ego boost and makes you feel good. A bunch of kids would run up and go, excuse me, but are you the King Beast? And be like, oh, hi. Yeah, actually, I, I am. And they're like, ah, and they run away or they ask questions or whatever it is. And I'd look over at my two boys and they'd just be looking up at me with this like, but you're just dead. You know, like there's no, it, it, there's a disconnect to the to the external for others because it's an internal for them. It's just what dad mm -hmm. does. And I have been very fortunate to take them to sets and meet their favorite characters and different opportunities like that, which I think maybe demystify that whole experience. Mm -hmm. And I bet I you get lots of invites to ch children's parties. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've <laughs> it's descendants again, but I had a buddy in the, in the UK who was like, hey, like a good friend who I stayed with there. And he goes, hey, my kid's daughter doesn't believe that I know you. Would you mind FaceTiming for him? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, no problem. I also read as well that it really made me laugh and I could so relate to this is that I read that when you starred in Legends of Tomorrow uh, Legends of Tomorrow the biggest challenge for the role was figuring out who Obsidian was um, <laughs> I read that and you know you didn't know straight away who the character was and do you know what in all defence I'm I'm with you. You know, there's so many yeah. superheroes out there. I mean, what was that like to work on? Because again, you've gone from one great show to another and played Obsidian. I mean, what 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 was that experience like? Uh so that that's quite an ensemble cast and it was a bit different in that um that, that cast and crew was very friendly and very fun to be around, but they all had their own, like they were all pretty established with other things that were going on. So there was less like hanging out mm. and chatting. Um, but they were all very friendly. Like Dominic was, Dom was just awesome. And then you can sense his presence. He's one of those guys that just has an immediate presence. Um, but not intimidating, just very strong presence and it was nice to be around him and watch him work and see there's so many different approaches to the to the craft as well to be able to see them all do their characters because they were more distinct characters i feel because it was a different vibe that to mm -hmm. see them bring their characters to life in the different ways that they did that was really cool I, one of my favorite things about being on a new set or any set is to um learn to sponge and learn from everything going around. I'm even, you know, I never used to worry about or concern, you know, concern myself with what lens they were using or why. But now, if I'm by the camera and I'm I'm off camera and I, I they don't seem too stressed, I'll ask, you know, the cam ops, what lens and why does the DP want that? And it's amazing, kind of being able to peel back some of the layers and learn more and more. So that that experience for me was, I think the biggest thing I remember is the kind of the, the opportunities to learn mm. and walk craft in a different light. So is that some, so, something that you'd want to 
get more into because le- learning about lenses and photography and f- filmography is definitely a rabbit hole. Like li- literally, I mean, I watched a documentary about Zack Snyder when he filmed Army of the Dead. And literally, I was just astonished that he got his lenses from eBay and <laughs> he got them rehoused. And that's what he used. And the reason why there was a dead pixel on the screen is because one of the lenses had a fault with it, but he wanted to keep it because it added a bit of, you know, you know, guchos to the pro- project. Uh, I mean, is that something that you want to get into more in the way of directing and and making your your own movies or, or First, TV shows? That's a really cool piece of trivia. Mm. Um, yes and no. At the moment, it's more of a learning every angle and aspect of the craft that I love so that I can better understand what I'm doing. So if I can hear that they're using a 25 mil, I know that that's the specific reason for that shot is to get this. So I might adjust my performance to best suit that lens, knowing that that's going to make it a more grounded and truthful take. Mm. Um, I think it's trying to expand my, my capacity to be a complete actor within all aspects of it. But you're right. That is a rabbit hole because I do want to, I'm, tending towards producing because I want to have a creative control over the content I'm a part of. And ultimately I want to work with friends. Um, as I get more experience in the industry, is that getting <laughs> older? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do want to, I do want to be a part of the creative process on the other side of the camera, but mm-hmm. not yet directing that hasn't called to me yet. Mm. I, I understand that it, there's a there's definitely a seed planted from exactly what you're talking about about mm. a curiosity about camera placements and lens usage and some of the light mm. options they use and why I, I, the curiosity and again I think it's coming also from the fact that I feel more comfortable in my craft to be able to ask outside of just getting my job done and then mm. it, it's hopefully helping you know improve my ability to do my job well we've got something to look forward for, forward to in 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 the future then for your future projects i mean have you ever turned down a role have you ever said no that's not for me i'm not doing that i have um and it didn't come around right away i would do anything and everything because every credit and every opportunity was something that i felt I needed and it was a learning opportunity and it was paying bills and all that. I've been with the same agent for 20 years now, uh, Eric here in Vancouver. And I absolutely adore him. He's not only my agent and business side of this thing, but he's a friend. And because of that, I know that there's a few opportunities that came around that we would discuss sometimes ad nauseum, just to, to the death trying to figure out whether it was something we wanted to do to have our career my career through with his guidance um you know adjust to that that job sometimes you do a job and it, it you start getting more jobs like it or mm. you get seen in that light or it's more difficult to be seen in a different light so integrity has always been something that i'm trying to as best i can it doesn't mean it's always an option 
but some jobs they there was definitely an, a lack of integrity to the character or what they were asking that character to do or the part of the story that was being told wasn't it was um sensationalist rather than creating conversations to better make a situation better it was just a sensation sensationalist use of that element that i didn't want to be a part of, i didn't want to be associated with so it's not very often but power of no is is relatively new for me and it's because my agent's been so gracious to help me understand uh what it would mean to say no and how that impact can mm. be very positive even though it's a negative like a saying of no mm. i mean what's been your proudest moment in your career to date hmm <laughs> You're dropping the big ones, Mr. Garner. Um, <laughs> yeah. proudest... Okay, what's your favorite color? <laughs> no. Right? Yeah. Blue. Blue. Um, no, red. No. Um, <laughs> Monty Python. I, I think the proudest moment was... You know, I, can't, I don't know. I can't, the, the very first time I booked a job where I was able to say I am a professional paid actor was this was ground zero for where I'm at today. Mm. And as we said earlier on discussing what, you know, what my goal was, it's to be able to be a financially viable provider doing the job that I love mm. to whatever in a big way or in a getting, getting through the day type of way. But that first job, that first time, that I auditioned, was booked, and cast in a show where I knew I was going to collect a paycheck as a professional actor, as a credit that would be recognized. I remember that being, a, as much as it was a scary and intimidating moment, also an extremely exciting, and I was very full of pride. I was very proud. <laughs> and at what point did you, uh, you know, think to yourself, actually, I'm actually really good at this. This is definitely you know, my career, you know, for the rest of my life. I mean, what point of your career did you th feel? Actually, I'm actually quite good at this. I'll let you I'll let you know when I get there. Um. <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, the thing is, I suppose, you know, I mean, I mean, you've you've got so many credits to 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 your name. I mean, obviously, that must be a test testament on, you know, your your ability and your talent. So um, take it from me, you're obviously very, very good. Um, and we enjoy watching you on screen. Um, but okay, so let's talk. So we'll change that's the very, subject. That's very kind of you. I, I just feel, I don't want to sound, you know, disconnected or, or, or too humble or unaware. I, I, I love that objectively I've been able to impress, I guess is the word, people enough to continue to do what I absolutely love doing and that said there's sometimes when I'm like oh I I'm I'm proud of that I, did, I think I did a good job there but it is so subjective and it is tough with a guy who struggles with depression for me to ever go yeah mm -hmm. I'm good at this and I'm I always feel like I have to be pushing I always feel like if I'm not pushing I'm failing I'm behind like there's a wave mm -hmm. of failure behind me and uh an opportunity for success ahead of me. And I'm always striving to get to there before the one behind me crashes over me. Mm. So I can't, 
I don't think I'm ever allowed to go, yep, I'm, I'm good at this and I'm allowed to be here yet. I'm trying, I'm working, I'm doing all the work because I, it's a really exhausting freaking state to be in. Mm. But I'm really grateful for you saying what you said, because that's something that I will take to heart to continue to fuel the tank to keep going, mm. you know, yeah, as I, I mean, work internally. Yeah, I mean, as as fans, you know, we we rent, we pay, um, and we watch these programs with joy. And you know what you you do, I think, is fantastic because it gives us that bit of escape, you know, from reality. You know, especially the last two years, it's been great to see shows on TV and to binge watch past shows uh, to escape from, you know all the troubles and everything like like that and find a bit of you know solitude in you know certain shows which i think is fantastic have you got a dream role that you've always wanted to play yeah there you know there's always i don't know that it's been written it's kind of a hybrid of multiple characters but the interesting connection to bruce willis is that his diehard character defined cool for me growing up that's why getting to work with him and, and meeting him was pretty mind-blowing because mm -hmm. a swashbuckling charming smart ass guy who could kick some ass really appeals to me i mean it's james bond maybe uh, yeah that guy's pretty classy i'm still looking a, li a little lower brow for me. <laughs> but the, you know who would say no to james bond I'm sure somebody has, but I, I just, I would be um, excited to do a character that had some action, some levity, a little bit, you know, a little bit of comedy, some smart ass remarks and, and a heart, a heart of gold. Like there's in everything, there's always, I think the joy and connection comes from the vulnerability. Mm. So I'd love that character as much as he may be a smart talking butt kicker, have a, have a vulnerability and a heart. Mm. And talking about Bruce Bruce Willis, so uh, I don't know how much we can talk about this, but Corrective Measures, what a cast. Um, it's got your friend Daniel Cudmore in it as well, as well as Michael Rooker and Bruce Willis. If you could tell us a bit about this film, what it's about and who you play, and and do we know when it's coming out? Is it May time? I think it is. Yeah, well, right now they're. I feel like they're almost ahead of the game, so they're looking at late April, but if not, for sure May. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if, yeah. if you can explain what the movie's about and who you play in it. Well, it's, uh, I mean, this was an opportunity of a lifetime that I am still kind of reveling in the experience of. But it's about a, it's set in a, a state-of-the-art penitentiary where all the worst criminals in the world are housed. And they are criminals that have had superpowers to some extent because there was a pulse that went over the world that either killed you gave you superpowers or distorted and, and, you know, melted or ruined you in some way, shape or form. And of that, you know, the good people use their superpowers for good and the bad became super criminals. So this prison was born to house those uh, super criminals and they found a technology that could, could uh, take care of that. But with the injection of a certain character, my guy, payback, um, the prison turns into a it descends into a state of chaos because i am a vigilante character who's bent on justice 
and eradicating the world of all of these criminals. And it's, yeah, I get to say some of those lines and I get to, you know, fight and kick some butt. And yeah, I got to work with friends. I, I was really, so Sean uh, O'Reilly, who was the executive producer, writer and director, is an amazing man. Uh, his intellect, his awareness of the industry, and, and he, he, they work for Arcana. That he's written graphic graphic novels. He's fully immersed and aware of of cartoons, comics, and graphic novels. And I think really brilliantly converted into into a movie. This this corrective measures graphic novel. Um, so payback is the uh, the vigilante ex military guy who. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give the whole thing away. It's not, it's a popcorn movie. Like it's unapologetically a ride that you go on. We're not um, dealing with, you know, greater conversations about politics or anything to that extent. We're, we're about having a good time and going on a ride and uh, maybe having a laugh along the way. It sounds awesome because on IMDb, it's got nothing uh, on, on there about superpowers. So Whoa. I was I was like, what? That sounds awesome. So obviously with Michael Rooker and, and Bruce Bruce Willis, what was it like sharing the screen with them? Um, you know, what were the like? Because I know Michael Rooker, I, I was listening to an interview with him, and I'm not sure if I'm right. Is he partly deaf or uh, he had an injury, didn't he? He got knocked, yeah. knocked out and he... And um, yeah, so I know when he goes to convention, conventions, he's got to really work hard at listening. Bless him. I mean, what what was it like working again with Tom Kavanagh, Daniel Cudmore, and and obviously good old Brucey? Well, Dan, I, I you know with Sean being so wonderful, and and once uh, I knew that I was playing payback. So among the the top build cast with Bruce, uh, Michael Rooker, Kevin Zegers, and myself. And then there's uh, Brennan Maya and uh, Haley Sales kind of rounding out the the top. And then there's a few more characters with very big and important integral roles. It was like, how do we cast this and stuff? Uh, Sean was very kind to let me kind of chirp in his ear mm. to involve uh, Cudmore and some other friends that I know are phenomenal talents that are gifts to the movie. And it's really cool because, again, Sean's so collaborative. It was it, it came about. And then Tom Cavanaugh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. He's just, he's a great dude. And he brings, he's such a, he can craft character with such precision. It's it's amazing. Um, but Michael Rooker, oh my goodness. What, an, what a character in real life. What a personality. Just, he's a storyteller. He's exuberant uh fun he doesn't give a shit about <laughs> you know like i mean he's he's not a bull in a china well he's kind of a bull in a china shop but in the most endearing and charming possible way i just love being around him i loved listening to his stories i love watching him work i loved it was really cool mm-hmm. um you know guardians of the galaxy is one of my favorite movies and if i get asked what superhero do i want to be it's star lord it's it's just it's it's just that it's simple and so i'm a big fan mm. of his from way before but obviously garden is the galaxy the most recent thing for me personally was like holy crap that's uh that's him right there mm. 
And then Bruce Willis, I, I think we kind of touched on that. He defined cool for me growing up. And we, you know, we filmed the first two, you know, good portion of the movie in Vancouver. And I'm so glad we did because I had time to settle in to the fact that I'm making a film and that I have to do my job and be this character before meeting Bruce Willis and Michael Rooker in Atlanta when we filmed out there. Because I think if it would have been right away, there might have been a, a an element of starstruck. They, mm. they're, they're colossal talents and, and pillars of, of, you know, the Hollywood world. So to meet them and to be able to work with them and know that I have to be able to hold my own and carry the, if I had done that out of the gate, I think the, there might've been some intimidation, no matter the fact that I've been doing this for 20 years, I just would want to represent the opportunity of being in a film and in a scene or scenes with them as best I could. So I had the two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was before getting to Atlanta to settle in and go, okay, I can do this. You know, I've been doing this long enough that I'm just going to, I'm going to meet him. I'm going to have my little moment, my little fan moment. And then I'm going to drop into work mode. And, and it's like, it's like an athlete in some regards. I mean, I keep going back to that, but it's been a really important and integral part of my. Mm -hmm. my I mean, I mean, actors like Bruce, Bruce Willis is definitely molded a lot of people's, you know, younger years with Moonlighting, which was well, awesome. Yeah. Absolutely ama amazing series. And obviously Die Hard as well, uh, which to this day, I swear, is a Christmas movie. I don't oh, care what any anyone says. It comes on every single Chris Christmas. It's just fantastic. But what's nice to hear is that, you know, I think fans need to understand that these stars are normal people. They've just got a different sort of job as as me and the next next person. Um, they've all got different challenges, um, but they're normal pe pe people. I think that I used to get starstruck quite easily, and I think it's because of that separation from, you know, seeing them on screen and actually seeing them in per person. Um, and I suffer from a stutter. I had speech therapy for like eight years for a stutter. Um, so I used to not be able to get a sentence out. Um, so that sort sort of changed. And this is what's great about having people like yourself on that we see on screen, we enjoy watching you, and we get to know a bit of you, Dan, and what you're actually like, you know, in real. Um, so what I wanted to ask is, is when you're not working, when you're not, um, you know, think thinking about work, how do you relax? What is a, a day off for Dan look like? Uh, it involves my kids. It's, it's immediately, it's family for me. I, uh, I'm my kid, both my kids play hockey and baseball and they're at the ages where I can coach both, both of those sports, having played them quite a bit growing up and having the experience of being coached um, by some of the most amazing coaches in the world. I've, I just love being around them. So if I can be around them and invest in their love of sport or their learning to try or pick themselves up after not being as successful as they wanted to and just be a part of that learning curve and that growth has been exquisite. So my days off are, are usually driving to a rink or heading to a baseball diamond or, you know, my youngest one, he, he still loves Fortnite and I suck but when he's like dad you want to come play I'm like yeah let's <laughs> let's go and then we can have operation resurrect old man or whatever they 
have to do in that game, be the focus and have some fun. It's, um, and my wife's right. She's the one that organizes everything. If we're going to do something, it's because she put it together. Thank goodness. Don't, don't, don't just say being that certain age where you're playing computer games and you're just getting knocked out by 12 year olds, right, left and center. And I, I play, yeah, six. I, I, I try and play a game called PUBG, which I absolutely love. It's like the adults version of uh, a Fortnite. Um, the best way to describe describe it, but I think I'm getting to the point now where, yeah, computer games are, are, are definitely far far behind me now. I've got to concentrate on other things. Right. We had those 2D, yeah, pixelated games that I thought were the greatest things on the planet. They yeah, were is it the ping most- that ping where it went up and down yeah. and and yeah, just like one thing. But you're very lucky having two boys as well because I've got two little girls. One eight and one four, and literally my house at the moment is filled with Encanto on repeat, <laughs> time and time and time again. So, uh, so which I don't mind because it's an awesome film. It really, really you, is. Where's Bruno? Is yeah. That... Hey, we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk. About... <laughs> no, we don't talk about Bruno. Uh, but Dan, you've been a great guest. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Lastly, um, you were in a show called Divine which I've been desperately trying to get hold of, um, you know, to see where where I can watch it because it looks awesome. It really does. And I can't find it anywhere. I know there's a website. I, I will try and... I, the, the creator, writer, um, Ivan Hayden, who's a genius. I, I love this show. I There's still a bit of heartache around it for me because it was given such a quick and short chance to the story behind it and the, where the the writers were taking it was uh, it was so good and I still hold out hope that they might find a way but it yeah I, I do hope you get a chance to see it because it is it is so well crafted and what a fun character to play an immortal um, I will find out there's a website I know that houses the the episodes I think there's six of them mm. it just just looks amazing the story and the trailer is literally up my my, my street. So, <clears throat> so once we find out um, where we can watch it, I'll put it on the description of the vid- video below so people can act, can actually see. And oh, um, lastly, uh, do you ever Google yourself on the internet? I haven't until about I think it was six months ago. One of my wife's friends said, "Hey, you realize your husband's worth two hundred twelve million dollars?" And she's like. <laughs> what so she sent her an article or something from the web that said you know value blah 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 married and then it it said has suffered i don't know all kinds of stuff in my life my wife was like what is this so she brought it to me she's like hey where's all the money and uh i'm like what uh so we decided to have a little fun and we did we googled and we we did a little deep dive and it was hilarious uh mm. you know it ranges from he's broke uh lived alone with his dog and had an affair and is on the streets to is worth 212 million happily married and owns a house in monaco or whatever it's just it's unbelievable how skewed and bizarre and and uh what i want, wanted to talk about you've got a great array of pictures uh, some really nice modeling ones and everything like that. There's one picture, and there's a story behind every picture. Um, <laughs> literally, 
you know what? We're going to leave this interview on, like, literally on on a high. What is the story? Because li- <laughs> I literally told my wife who I was in- interviewing, and I-, I-, I went on to Google, and I put your name, and I, I press on images, and that came up. <laughs> and, like, literally, she was like, what? <laughs> what is he doing? Yeah. 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 So I played a bungling dad in a series called Alice, I think, here in Canada. And his best friend owns a sporting goods store. And he, in one of the episodes, loses his model. And then he asks me to be the model for the sports gear. And it's a it's a terrible. The shoot is awful, as you can see. Anyway, the, this scene specifically and what's going on there is I'm modeling swimwear and in that moment i look down and i go hey have these been washed that's (laughs) so that's the capturing the moment of me wondering if these things that i've been wearing are are washed Mm. and the internet you can't hide from it it's available everywhere uh i'll take that off the screen now before we say our goodbyes (laughs) but it just made me chuckle because i i think that you know once you become famous and once you become an actor literally I, I can understand, you know, why so so many actors want to have their privacy because literally people, ex, you know, expect everything from you. They expect that it's their right to to delve into your business, delve into your home life, and 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 stuff stuff like like, like that. So so as long as that's the only sort of images that we've got on the internet, we're doing all right. So, uh, but well, I'm Dan. Not sure about that yet i'm fairly shield either i'm very shielded from it or i'm just uh or people are just very nice for some reason to me but i haven't i haven't yet arrived at the stage where i'm you know worried about getting caught peeing in a mop bucket or something no 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 but dan you've been a great great guest you look after yourself uh keep safe all the best to the family and i look forward to create corrective measures uh and I'll make sure that um, I'm plug plugging that because it sounds awesome. Great cast. So end of April, beginning of Fox, May. Yeah, on Fox Tubi. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for a for the wonderful conversation. I appreciate it. You're awesome, and the opportunity to chat about corrective measures is is really cool. I'm excited about it. You've been listening to Be More Super the podcast. It was a crazy fun experience i love the show guys you're awesome listen my whole family loves it man if you enjoyed this episode be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends my world it means hope